Well, hi, everybody. How are you this morning? Oh, thanks, Lori. Good morning to you. (laughs) We're glad to have you guys here. Stand on up with us this morning as we worship the Lord in song and praise him. He is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. So we want him to know that Crossroads Ministry is praising his name this morning. Now it 
know this next song well, so as we sing together this morning, just singing how great our God is in this world of trials and tribulations. God is still great, and the truth is still strong. So as you sing this, just praise Him this morning for all that He has done for you in the midst of those trials and tribulations, because He is worthy of all of our praise.
If you haven't met before, just say thank you for thank you for meeting me. We are glad that you are here. <laughs> it is a good day, and this is a day that the Lord has made.
love you through life, and we will love you even until death, Lord God. Thank you for being our Lord, our Savior, the one that we can sing to, the one that we can say, look, this is my Lord and my Savior. Help us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Help us to show the world how much there is and how much they are missing if they are looking for that hope and that peace and that joy. Goodness, God, you're the only one that can give that to the world. And in the world that we're living in right now, Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord God. We ask you to just put your presence around this world, Lord God. Put your presence in this place. Put your presence in our hearts. Give us the desire and the the strength to just proclaim who you are. Lord, you loved us first, but as that song said, my Jesus, I love thee. God, help us to never shy away from from being able to share your love with those that are around us as we open the word today lord god and how it is a living breathing word of life we ask that you will help us to be able to just again just thank you for who you are today our lord and our savior jesus christ amen amen you may be seated what a wonderful morning of worship amen yeah let's thank god this morning what a great day what a great day you know, my favorite part this morning was that we got the drummer out of the cage, you know. We, we set him loose out of the cage. Good job up there. And thank you, Reagan, back there as well. Reagan, keep playing, but let's give Reagan a hand. Yeah, we thank God for Reagan. She's mad at me right now for doing that, but I'll tell you what. Reagan uh, wasn't able to be here last Sunday, but she is graduating this week from high school. Let's give her a hand. Yes, we're excited. And for all those grads, we had a big celebration last weekend, but we're so thankful for what God is doing and uh, what's happening here at the church. I want to welcome you to Crossroads today. If this is your first time, I want to ask you to stop by our Welcome Center in the foyer afterwards. We have a gift just to say thank you for coming. We are so glad that you are here today. And then we also have a Connect card. If you look at the, just in the seat back in front of you, there's a Connect card, a blue Connect card. If, uh, if you have a prayer request or you have any, any communication with us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just please mark on there. Maybe you'd like to know more how to serve, how to get connected. Uh, maybe you have a prayer request of any sort. Please fill that out, and we will, our staff will be praying for you, and we will certainly be helping to follow up in any area that we can. So uh, just that, you can put that in the offering box on your way out the door. There's one to my left as you go out the main door here, and another one by the main door in the foyer. So we're so glad that you're here today. Just by way of announcements, a few announcements. We have our car cruises beginning this Monday. I'm sorry, Tuesday. This Tuesday, the car cruise will begin here at the church, and it will go every Tuesday from 5 to 9 p.m. So the classic cars will come up here, and so if you are into that, come on up and bring your classic car. If you don't have a classic car, you can come up and do what I do, eat a hot dog, all right? So come up and walk around and just enjoy the day up here. You'll see a bunch of different cars and They'll have their hoods open, all of that fun stuff that goes along with that. And throughout the summer, some days are higher, some days are lower. It all depends on the heat and what the guys are doing. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to come on up and be a part of that. And if you know somebody, here's the other thing. Let's use these as opportunities to bring people to Christ. Uh, a fellow walked into the service a few weeks ago on Saturday night, and I said, Hey, nice to meet you. He said, Yeah, I've met you before. I come to the car cruise. So he finally made his first time into the church, and, uh, and that's what we're all about. We're bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to use it, like put, put the word out there and let people know, hey, 
come on up, and that's kind of the outside, and uh, we're just uh, just getting people used to even knowing that the church is here. Uh, on that note, we're coming up on June the 17th, Friday night, June the 17th. We're having a movie, Encanto, all right? So come on up and watch Encanto with us. It'll be outside on the lawn out front uh, in the, the, the field down below there. <clears throat> the, we put up a giant screen. I think it's a 32-foot screen, and we will just enjoy the night. So bring a lawn chair, bring a blanket, lay on on the, on the field out there. It'll be a good time. And so that movie will obviously start at dusk, I would say close to 9 o'clock. And uh, so come on out. There will be concessions available. It'll be a fun thing. Again, invite somebody. Uh, when the thing comes out on our Facebook, reshare it, do whatever you do. We ask people to sign up on the Eventbrite, and you'll see that coming out just so that we can prepare, plan properly for parking, for uh, uh, concessions, all those needs. And then we also have coming up on Mega Sports Camp. It's coming up. This is June, sorry, July 11th through the 15th. Uh, we're doing a Mega Sports Camp. They will take over every inch of this facility, over every inch of the land up here. It's always a wonderful time. We'll see hundreds and hundreds of kids up here. And I want to encourage you, number one, to serve. If you're able to serve, you say, hey, what can I do in Vacation Bible School? Um, it's a sports camp. So if you're like me, I don't know too much about sports. I can watch them, but I don't know that I could help anybody with sports. Well, maybe you can help out in other areas. There's multiple ways that you can get involved and help with, uh, with the mega sports camp. Maybe you can make a snack. Maybe you can eat a snack. I don't know. Just You can go out there and help out, all right? So stop out there. You'll see Kim and Chrissy out there at the table in the foyer to my left. Uh, after the service, so please go out there and sign up to serve, and then begin to prepare to to, to invite people. Uh, this is this is a big event in the community, and people are looking for things for their kids through the summer. And this will be a great thing. This is during the daytime hours in the morning, and it will be a wonderful, wonderful time. I talked to one one fellow in our church this morning. I came out of the service. He he said, man, I cannot wait to serve in Vacation Bible School. He came last year. He helped out for his first time last year serving, and uh, he's been a big help to us ever since. Uh, just a, a few things of family news I'd like to, to share with you today. Um, if you keep a few families in prayer in our church, one of them is uh, the Shadel family. Sandy Shadel went home to be with the Lord this week, and um, her calling hours will be down at Henny's in, uh, in library here on Tuesday with a funeral service here on Wednesday at 10 a.m. So I would ask you to pray for the Shadle family. And then also one of our young guys in the church, one of our young guys that, that's been through a lot of uh, connections here at the church. Um, he uh, was in a horrific accident. Uh, his name is Jed Rebar. And I want you to pray for him as he's going through um, just some really critical, critical moments in his life. Um, he's in some life-threatening situation in, uh, in, in Allegheny General. So I want you just to be praying for, for the family, for the rebars. We've known them for many, many years. Jed has done a lot of work around here to help us in recent days with some of our projects with his business. And so I want to ask you to pray for him. He's in his 30s. He's a young guy. And uh, just, we're just asking the Lord to step in and intervene. So those are two heavy things to pray for there. And then I also want to ask you to pray, as you know, the situation down in Texas. Um, our hearts were rocked this week to learn of something so horrific. And I want to ask you to continue to pray. But as we pray, um, let's remember that God is still God and God is still in control. The scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of evil out there and it's a terrible, terrible situation. 
But I want you to pray that God will somehow uh, work through all of this. Pray for those families. Pray for the churches down there. There's a, a number of believers down there that are coming alongside and ministering to these people down there. So I want to ask that, you know, uh, that, that, that we just remember our brothers and sisters in faith down there as well. And then, uh, and then today, as, uh, as we head towards Memorial Day weekend, you know, Memorial Day weekend is not just uh, a chance to have a day off and a hamburger. It is uh, a day that we've set aside as our country to remember the sacrifices that were paid. Um, freedom isn't free. There was a price that had to be paid. And so we're so thankful for all the military, all the veterans in our church. But today's the day that we remember those that gave all, um, that, that, that gave their life in, uh, in the line of duty. And, and so I want you to just pause and uh, if you'll take in this, this video here for a moment and just think of the seriousness of Memorial Day. And then we will, uh, we'll stand together and we will have some prayer and a moment of silence. To the brave men and women who stood up for freedom, who answered the call and fought for our nation, who paid the ultimate price and never came back. To the American soldier, we thank you. To the mothers and fathers who raised a hero, to the brothers and sisters with an empty space to the sons and daughters who have only memories to the wives and husbands who bear the void with pride to all who've lost a soldier they love no gift could repay your sacrifice no tribute could match our admiration no word can contain our gratitude but still it deserves to be said. We remember you. We salute you. And we honor you today. stand with me and let's just uh, pause in some silent prayer and if you would lift up those families that I asked you to lift up the situation in Texas and just pray for those families that are dealing with loss in general on Memorial Day. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we just realize today the, the seriousness of many issues, Lord, the seriousness of Memorial Day, even as we thank you for this country, Lord. God, um, while our world has been in turmoil, while our, our country is going through lots of pain right now, Lord, we still thank you for this place that you have given to us that we call home. God, I ask that you'll continue to strengthen this country, Lord. 
would your spirit go out and transform this world in which we live right now, Lord. God, uh, we, we thank you for the men and women who have suffered and who have given their lives, Lord. We thank you for those men and women, and we ask for their families today, Lord, that you will be with them and encourage them and strengthen them, Lord. Their memory is, is not forgotten. Uh, Lord, may we never forget as a country uh, how our freedom has, was attained through many, many sacrifices. Lord, we're so thankful for the ultimate sacrifice that you gave us that we may have the freedom on the cross that you provided on the cross. You provided freedom for us. So, Lord, uh, we lift up many of these situations in our land right now. Lord, I think of the, the, the situation in Texas, Lord, a horrific, evil act. But, Lord, we know that you are God and that you can heal. And I ask, Lord, for healing for our land healing for Texas, healing for our country. We ask that you will be with us and protect us, Lord. Put your hand of guidance upon this country and a hand of guidance upon us as a people right here in Finleyville, our little church here up on the hill. God, use us to impact this city for many, many days, Lord, for eternal benefits, Lord, of what you want your people to go out and make an impact. God, we lift up to these families that are suffering right now, we, uh, we lift up the Shadle family to you. Uh, we lift up Jed Rebar. I ask, Lord, for Jed as he's healing. I pray that you'll continue to put your hand and guide the doctors. And we just ask that you will do what only you can do there this morning, Lord. Um, God, we just, uh, we just thank you so much for our family here, this church, Lord. This is our, our place that we call home. And, Lord, we thank you for this little gathering that we get to have every week. We get to just see you every week moving and working and doing stuff in some powerful, powerful ways. So, God, I ask that uh, you'll put your hand upon us and move in mighty ways, Lord. God, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people as they give, Lord, and I pray that you'll continue to bless each gift and each giver. Lord, for each person as they serve in our church, I pray you'll, as they take their time and their talent to serve, serve the people, serve the children, serve the teenagers, serve all over this place, God. God, I pray you'll put your hand upon every aspect of this church and use us for your honor and glory. God, now as we sing to you, as we sing this next song, Lord, I pray that you'll be so adored. Would you let the people here today... God, would you just draw them unto yourself as we sing this next song and we adore you and we sing your praise and let your praise always be on our lips. In your precious name we pray. for today. 
September 1938, during the Munich crisis, when Hitler was uh, rolling out his forces around the world, and the world was uh, slid towards this, this big, big war, the, uh, the World War. More radios were sold in September of 1938 in that one single month than had ever been sold up until that time. It was in this atmosphere of tension, so there's, you can imagine the tension, people just tuning in. Imagine those days of tuning into the radio just to hear the news, right? So they would tune in. They wanted to hear all these items of, the, uh, of what was going on. It was in this moment of tension that Orson Welles and his staff, they prepared, uh, they prepared a play, and it was, uh, it was on their Mercury Theater radio play. It was on the night before Halloween in October, uh, that uh, listeners found themselves listening to this play. They listened to the innocent sounds of Roman Raquel and his orchestra, only for the music to be interrupted multiple times with news flashes coming in and out with a series of an alarming, what seemed to be alarming, news stories. First came the reports of explosions of uh, incandescent gas observed on the planet Mars. Then after a brief interlude, more music came on, uh, and then it came into uh, the... Uh, uh, a hookup to Princeton Observatory, Professor Richard Pearson, who was played by Wells himself, who assured the listeners that there was nothing to be alarmed. Then there were reports of a meteor impact in an unassuming place called Grover's Mill. Even today, Grover's Mill is just this quiet little town. But that night, it became the center of the world, became the center of, uh, of all of America, because it was known as the beachhead for the Martian invasion advancing on New York City brushing aside American defenders and destroying all these people in its way. That's, that's what this play was, was making the people believe. The emergency government announcement came, and, and they, they thought, hey, this must be true. And so panicked listeners all over the United States were bombarding the police with their, uh, with their phone calls, wondering what is going on. One person said it like this. He said, we were petrified. We just looked at each other, scared out of our wits, Someone was banging on our front door. It was our neighbors across the street. She had packed the seven kids in their car and kept yelling and yelling, come on, let's get out of here. And could you imagine how that would have been? Here was a play, and they thought it was real. So they're tuning in. They're listening. Henry Sears was 13 years old, and he took down his, uh, the radio down to the tavern that his mother owned. And in the tavern, they're listening to this play. And as they're listening to it, the people aren't realizing that this is fiction. So they, these men go out, and they, uh, they, they, they're going out, and they're loading their guns. People were loading their guns, getting ready to go fight this, uh, fight this battle over in Grover's Mill. Um, I, there were even reports of people wearing wet towels on their head to combat the incandescent po- uh, poison gas from the Martians, right? And so as you look at this, you realize that there was a panic-stricken. People were panic-stricken because they heard something that was fiction, and they took it for fact. And you know, that's exactly what's happening in our world today. People are, don't, they don't know what the truth is. Truth is at a premium. There is a war today, folks. This play was known as the War of Worlds. You can go Google search it. You can find it and you can listen to it, War of Worlds, and you can hear this. And you, as you listen to it now with all of our technology, you say, hey, how can that be? And as, uh, as I shared that last night, one guy walked out and said, you know, in 1938, the radio was the Facebook. I said, ooh, that is so good, isn't it? Like today, you see something come up on Facebook, well, it must be true. (laughs) You know better than that, right? 
man, you, you, you come and, and you look at it and you see all these things that come up and, and there's all this panic and all these things that are happening and, and people mistake fiction for fact. And so as you come on today, I want to remind you that the facts are that we are in a world, uh, a war. There is a war of worlds for sure. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there is a battle for good and evil. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle to see if you will follow Christ or not. And this battle is an unseen battle. You can't see it. And so there are some things that we see that we say, man, they're pretty evil. Like the the whole Texas thing this week. That's outright evil. But I want you to know that there are, uh, there's a spiritual battle that's happening. And the spiritual battle is, is in the heavenly realms. It's in the, in the spirit world. Man, there is, there, there's a fight that's going. And so our, our struggle is not against the things that you can see. It's against the things that you cannot see. Uh, and over in Ephesians 6:17, the, the Scriptures tell us, continue to tell us that the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's our weapon. That's how we fight this. So we don't fight it by any other means but by the Word of the Lord. And Jesus himself, whenever Jesus prayed, he prayed for us in John 17:17. 17, 17. He said this. He said, I pray, Lord, that you may sanctify them by the truth. This was Jesus praying for believers, praying for us. Sanctify them by the truth, and your Word is truth. Now, I want you to catch this this morning because he is saying here that, hey, listen, his word does not just contain the truth. His word is the very source of truth. His word is truth. We live in a world today where truth is something that people say, well, that's true for you, but not true for me. Let, let me give you an example of, of, of truth that there must be truth. Like when something is true, it def, it's a defining moment, right? So let me give you one example of truth that you cannot say that about. You cannot come along and say, well, that's true for you, but not true for me, right? Gravity. You understand gravity, right? If I go out and go to walk off the edge of the stage and say, well, gravity is not true for me, in two seconds you will find out that it is true for me, right? You won't need much. As a matter of fact, some of you know it's coming one day. I'm going to go down. I, I, have, I have many times put my foot over the edge, and people are like, please don't do that, especially the front row. They're worried about getting hurt. Anyhow, it's, it's like I want, you, I want you to think about this because there is a, when, when something is true, the world we live in today says, well, that's true for me. That's true for you. I'll make my own truth. No, no, no. When Jesus said his word is truth, his word is the truth. And the truth is what is going to transform us. We're talking about transformation. So in the midst of this war of worlds, uh, this world of wars, there is a truth that we must understand. We will be transformed by truth. And I want you to catch that today because you will be transformed by the truth. And when you come in and you have a truth that is like, yes, this is the truth. God's word is truth. How does that transform us? What difference does it make? Well, it makes a big difference when you have a truth that is a divide. I shouldn't say dividing factor, but, but it is drawing the line in the sand. Because if this is true, then 
If it's not true, then. Just like the people who were tuning into that radio, right? If that was true that Martians were invading, which, can you believe that was America, 1938, right? If it was true that there is an invasion, then, of course, they went out and they responded according to what they believed was true. Many people are responding and trying to make their own truth today. And God says that his word is the truth. Well, over in John chapter 8, Jesus gives us some, some interesting things here because um, Jesus is talking about truth. He had just got done. And what was happening in John chapter 8 was, if you read on earlier, Jesus had defended the woman who was caught in adultery. And according to Jewish law of that day, if a woman was caught in the act of adultery, she would be stoned. So they caught her. She's guilty, so they come, and all these religious leaders are ready to stone her. And Jesus comes and he says, hey, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So as you recall, Jesus would sit there and write in the dirt, right? And, uh, and, and, and one by one, these, these, follow, these religious leaders walked away because they had sinned too. And so Jesus ends up forgiving this woman. She has a new life. She gets transformed. But as he goes through this, he's talking with the religious leaders, and they're ready to kill him now. I mean, he forgave sin. Who's, who's he to stand up before the religious people, right? So he, he stood up before the religious leaders, and they're ready to kill him. I mean, it's, it's mounting. They don't like this guy at all. And so as they're going through this, as the pressure begins to mount, now Jesus, he, he tells them who he is. He reveals himself. And the scriptures say in John chapter 8, verse 30, he spoke these words and many believed in him. So many Jews believed in him. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now check this out. He says something here that's pretty big. He says, I am the truth. Jesus other places says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So if Jesus is the truth and all truth starts with Jesus, man, this, is, this causes a reaction from us. And so it was going to cause a reaction from the people here. But I want you to catch this because they had started their belief. There was a moment of belief that they started. And this happens in many people. They start with belief. And then it's easy to fade. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, my word is truth and truth will set you free. So if you abide. So now catch this. Abide means this. Here's the definition of abide. It means to stay it means to continue. It means to remain, to be with, to be in it. Okay? So he says, if you will abide, if you will remain, if you will continue, if you will stay in my word. Folks, I've seen through the years a lot of people that have come and said, I believe, and then they don't remain in the truth. Like they have an initial, I believe. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, he says, you must interact and stay in touch with my truth. That's why it's so important, folks, to, to, to be in God's word every day. When we are in God's word every day, here's what happens. Because there are things that the world is telling you and I that are not true. 
And we are just like those people that are listening to that radio. We react to the world's things that are not true. Like, hey, if you go do this, you'll be happy. Not true. But what do we do? We say, oh, you know, I got to do this. I got if I don't do this, I'm not good enough, right? So it's like God says, come and react to my truth. Don't react to the fiction of the world because the world doesn't even know truth. So when you come to the truth of God, and so what he was doing here, he's saying, listen, you've got to remain in me. Uh, transformation happens when we live the truth. Would you say that with me? Transformation happens when we live the truth. When you're going throughout your day, it's one thing if you know the mental ascent of the right thing. But whenever you live it, that's where the life change comes. Many people will tell you that Jesus is God. But whenever they're faced with things in the world, when they're faced with society, when they're faced with the crumbling apart of life, they end up walking away because they're not living the truth. They're, they're not coming back and interacting. They're not abiding in the truth. And I love what Jesus did there. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, when we, when we live the truth, it transforms us. But look what happened here in verse 33. They answered him. But you don't understand, Jesus. <laughs> I love this. You know, Jesus is teaching. The truth is going to set you free. Uh, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? <laughs> they come and they throw at them their their pedigree. They say, hey, don't you remember we're God's chosen people? God had this promise to Abraham that there would be, you know, there, that there would be all these people that would come out of the seed of Abraham and you wouldn't be able to count them. They'd be like the stars in the heaven, like the sand on the seashore. That, that's who we are. And they give to Jesus their pedigree. And you know, don't we do that sometimes to God? Lord, you should be doing this in my life because, well, you know, I have been going to that church. And, God, I even started to give. I started to give in my finances, Lord. And God, I, I, I've been serving. I've been helping out. And, and that's what we do. We throw our pedigree to God. We say, well, God, you should do this because I've done that. And that's, that's not the truth. You, you see, that, that's, that's, that's how the world works. The world works, and that's the system of the world. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do I have to do? I have to come in and understand that I am not going to be, my life is not going to be something I earn with God. God doesn't owe me anything. He's still God. He's Lord. And he still says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through him. He is the only way. Say that loud and clear in our world today. Do you know why we need to say it loud and clear? Because everybody says, well, Jesus is a way, and it's okay for you, but I'm going to choose my way. And Jesus said the truth is he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Do you realize you don't get life from any other source? All the things that you have maybe looked for to try and find life from pleasure, from all the things that we're looking for in our world, man, 
they don't produce life. Jesus is the author of life. It comes from him. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And so what was happening here was that these descendants, these were the Jewish people this moment. They're saying, hey, you don't understand who we are. And Jesus answered them and he said, most assuredly, may I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Who commits sin? Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us commits sin. He says, I'm telling you, you don't understand your own condition. You're a slave to sin. And he says, and a slave does not abide. A slave, there's our word again, remain, doesn't stay in the house forever. A son does. A son abides forever. And he's saying, listen, you're a slave. You're a slave to the sin. You're, you're, You're on the outside. You're looking in. And here's what was happening. They didn't even know their own condition. They didn't know the truth of their own condition. So they said, hey, how can your truth set us free? Well, they would be set free from, from the bondage of sin. A, a, a son abides forever, but a slave doesn't. They would be set free from the bondage of sin. They didn't even know the truth of their own condition. And when you understand this, that, hey, listen, they were coming. They're saying, we are pretty good. This is what we do to God often. God, I'm pretty good. God, this is why you should do this. And we try this barter system with God. God says, no, no, listen, you've got to let my truth transform you. So whenever we see these these new believers, listen, remember he was saying, hey, listen, uh, he's, he's talking to those who believed. I'm sure there were people in the crowd who hadn't believed yet. So this is where the interaction's coming. And he, he's helping them understand the truth of who he is and how that they would be set free. That, uh, that uh, a slave does not abide forever, but the son does. Uh, so the Pharisees, they, they didn't understand enough about themselves. They didn't understand that they needed to be born again. Jesus comes and he's dealing with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes and Nicodemus knocks on his door. He was a religious leader. In John chapter 3, he knocks on the door of Jesus by night. He says, hey, listen, I, I just got to gotta know. I want to know what you're talking about some more. And Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again. And so in our world, you know, when you hear people from, uh, from church say born again, maybe your first was like, oh, they're one of those born againers, all right? So whatever that means out there on the street, let me tell you what it means when God said it. He said it means that just like you were born as a child, you were humanly born, now you must have a new birth in the spiritual realm. And God is going to spiritually start a work. And so therefore you must come and surrender Trust that Jesus died on the cross, pay for your sin, that he rose again, and place your faith in him. That's the new birth. That's becoming born again. They didn't understand that because they were stuck on their pedigree. Well, we are the descendants of Abraham. And so I want you to check out this this passage here in in Titus chapter 3. Verse uh, 3 through 7. You know, quite often we don't think of ourselves in this slavery to sin. But here was the Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to Titus, and look what he says. He says, once we, we too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled, became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Here was Apostle Paul. He's had a nice transformation. He's leading the church. He says, before I was 
misled. Listen, I was buy into the world system. I was a slave to my own, to many lust and pleasure. Do you ever think you could be a slave to pleasure? We live in the land of good and plenty, don't we? It's easy to become a slave to pleasure. It's easy to buy into that. He says we were a slave to our sin. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, and I love this, he says, but, the next verse there, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love. So when God revealed it. So on one hand, we were slaves, but when God The Son of God, Jesus Christ, reveals himself in kindness and love. Look what he says here, the next verse. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. Paul doesn't say, well, you know, I, me, any of that. God says, because of his mercy. Not because of my righteousness, not because of my good, my pedigree, not because because Paul, too, was a descendant of Abraham. He doesn't pull that card. He says he saved us. God saved us because of the, not because of the good that we have done, but because of his mercy. Mercy, remember, mercy is not giving me what I deserve. God not giving me what I deserve, you know? Oh, have mercy on me, right? You ever say that statement? Oh, have mercy. In other words, don't give me what I deserve. If we get what we deserve, we're separated from God for eternity. But God, because of his mercy, he didn't do that. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit upon us. Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then he goes a step further and he says, Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. He declared us right. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Folks, there's a key question that I ask people in our church. And, uh, and I don't want you to be offended when somebody asks you because this question gets asked a lot in our church. And here it is. If you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would have eternal life? Do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? You see, God says here that we can be confident. I'm not hoping so. I'm not thinking so. I know when I take my last breath here, I have eternal life and I will be forever with the Lord. Why? Not because of my righteousness but because of what Paul just said there, because of what Jesus has done for me. Folks, you can be confident of this. And you see, that's what truth does. Truth is the line in the sand. Jesus was drawing in the sand whenever they wanted to stone the lady. But when Jesus said, I am the truth, when he says the truth will set you free, the line was really drawn in the sand. And the people had to make a decision. Is he really the truth? Is he not the truth? You know, the same is for us today. You have to make the decision, am I going to follow that? Because if it's true, then 
A, B, C, D, E. Like if Jesus is really God, if Jesus says that I'm a slave to sin, then I, when I come and I recognize the truth, I recognize the truth about me, and then I also recognize the truth about God, and now it prompts a response from me. Oh, my goodness. As we look at this, I, I just want to share this with you here. Um, there, there, there's a, a little equation I'm going to throw up here. I'm going to ju- jump ahead to the equation here. And once they find it, we'll put it up there. When I went to school as a youngster, I took algebra. Anybody like algebra? Okay. I'm sorry I'm going to offend you highly right now. I know nothing about algebra. I, uh, I went and I took algebra. As a matter of fact, I did this illustration last night, and a few math people came to me and said, hey, good point, but don't use the math. You don't know what you're talking about on the math. So let me explain it to you like this. I could do a basic problem like this in algebra. I went, and I went to high school, and then when I went to college, I studied the Bible. But I was at Liberty University. I still had to take some math courses. I really liked my Bible courses, but in order to get you know, the, the, the basic math class to get out of Liberty was college algebra, and I had to take foundations of math to get into college algebra. So I just want you to know, C's make degrees, and I got out, Okay. But let me tell you this here. 3x plus 5 equals 11. Man, I could do that one. That's high school there, right? 3x plus 5 equals 11. So I take the 3, put in a 2. 3 times 2 is 6 plus 5, and I got 11. Man, I love that. I was real good. I had enough toes I could do it, right? So I could do it in my head, basically. But then they would go and they would give you, you know, remember they, they said 11 is the right answer. So I had to look at the X and figure out what the X is based upon the 11. So then they would give me another problem like this. 3X, the next one, next slide, 3X plus 5 equals 17. And I ran out of toes. Uh, this is where you had to start with your using divisions and fractions, Right? So this is where I began to get challenged. And I would say, you know what? I don't like this. I think that I would rather just change the 17 and make up my own X. So in other words, I could put 3 and a 9 there, plus 5, and I'd come up with my new number. But when you're passing a test, that's not how it works, right? You have to find out what is the X. And here's what I want to say. X is the variable. And you know what happens in our life? God already has the answer. And we look at the X and we want to do like Ken who doesn't know math. Says, I want to change the X because it doesn't sit well with me. This thing about fractions and all that, that's not how I play the game. Right? But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because the game is played with fractions at this point. I have to learn how to divide, right? So what we do in our life is we look at the variables of our life. And instead of coming and saying, well, there is the answer, I come and I say, huh, the answer must be wrong because I see the variable a different way. Let me give you the answers of the truth. I want to start here with God's truth. Here is God's truth. God's truth is, number one, that God 
loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. Do you understand the truth of that like we say we do? But listen, here's the truth. Wednesday, we had the preschool graduation up here, Sunshine Tree Preschool. Man, it was awesome. These kids were up here. The place was packed out with parents and grandparents. It's 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on uh, Wednesday, and this place was filled with preschool kids. And they get up there, and they're singing, One, two, three, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And they sang it over and over. And I kept hearing this, God loves me. God loves me. And I... And, you know, I heard them practicing it earlier in the week. I came in. I listened to it during their, during their graduation. And I said, you know, what we're doing is we're helping those little preschool kids get the truth that God loves me. And you know how important that is? This is so important. Here's why it's so important. Because those little kids that are four- and five-year-old, they have got to start with that foundation that God loves me because I know what's coming up. It's called middle school. And whenever they get into middle school, somebody's going to pick on them. Somebody's going to say, I don't like you. Life's going to get hard. All of a sudden, the studies become harder. All of a sudden, they have, they have to, they have to uh, work their way. They have to learn fractions and all this stuff, right? All this stuff is what is going to happen in their life. And they've got to understand that God loves me, no matter what the fiction they hear around them. You see, there's fiction that they hear around them that they're no good, Right now, as a four or five-year-old little kid, it's wonderful. Mom makes lunch. Isn't it wonderful? Dad buys me toys. It's wonderful. And then you go out there, and some kid in the class next to you says, you're dumb. And right there, the child is tempted to believe the fiction. When God says, he loves me. And I'm special in his sight. Folks, this is not just for three-year-olds and four-year-olds and five-year-olds. This is for 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds, 30-year-olds, all your olds. He's got it. And when you go out and you're at work tomorrow, if you don't remember the truth that God loves me, one, two, three, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be tempted to make everybody happy. Because they're feeding you a fictional lie. But when God's truth, and listen, it is objective. It is built on the object of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what they say about me anymore. Let them talk. God's truth is what is truth. I'm not gaining, I didn't gain God's love because of my pedigree. Because of his mercy, God loves me. Uh, Secondly, the next point on there today His ways are perfect. You know, you look at your life and you say, I don't understand the ways of God. Well, may I tell you, his ways are always, always perfect. They're always perfect. His ways are perfect. He is always working. I'm safe in his hand. He is always working. And so these are a number of the things that that are God's truth. And so when you come back, you understand the truth about yourself. I'm a sinner. I can't get to God on my own. I must trust him. But yet he loves me. His ways are always perfect. Because bad things are happening in my world, in my life, does not mean that he does not love me. His ways are perfect. He is, I am safe in his hand. Man, I'll tell you what, I'll never forget when I was a young guy. I lived down in Dormont, 
And in Dormont, the houses were pretty close. Back in the day, you didn't have air conditioning. Anybody remember those days? You know, now it's like rare that you go into a house without air conditioning. Nobody had air conditioning, so we slept with our windows open. I'll never forget the houses were so close that we could hear the neighbor's alarm clock wake her up. Her name was Ann. She was a great lady. One day, Ann, her house got robbed. And when you live that close to somebody that you can hear the alarm clock wake you up in the morning from the neighbor's house, you know what happens? You get a little bit afraid. And so what I did was I was instructed from a young age to take God's word, God's word as truth. And, man, I was paranoid. I was sick. I mean, I couldn't believe that the house got robbed next to me. And so I went through many sleepless nights trying to digest this. And then I discovered the verse in the book of Psalms that says that God takes care of his children and that, you know, what can man do unto me? I am the child of God. I am safe in his arms. What can man do unto me? So you know what? Whenever I face fear today, you know what? Whenever I hear the events of our world that are happening today, I quote those verses and it comes back to me. I'm safe in his hand. And I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in panic because I'm believing the truth of God over the fiction of the world. He's always working. God is always working. He's not done with you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future. Plans to give you hope. Maybe this morning, uh, maybe you've looked at the variables of life and you've been trying to figure out the variables. I want to take you to understand that God already has the answer. And the truth is he loves you. So therefore, don't interpret the truth by your variable, by your pain. Interpret your pain by the truth. Let's close in prayer. God wants to transform you. And as he's doing this, it takes time. It takes his word. You cannot be transformed without the presence of God. So I want to take you to the Lord this morning. And I want you to accept his truth. You see, that's what Jesus did. He was hoping that these people, he said, I want you to remain in my truth. So today I want to invite you to remain in the truth. Maybe you've not yet started a relationship with Jesus. Well, today's the day. Don't wait. If it's true, you've got to respond to it. If you walk away from the truth, then you've rejected the truth. Maybe you've been coming for some time and God's truth is now starting to make sense. Maybe the Spirit of God has just spoken to you and in His mercy, you're ready to open up and trust His truth. If that's you, would you respond to him and just pray something like this? Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm needing you. Lord, the truth of me is that I'm a sinner. And the truth of you is that you are the God of the universe. You are that Messiah. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. So, God, I invite you into my life. I look forward to the transformation that your truth will bring in my life.
And maybe for others, maybe you've been following Jesus for some time, but maybe lately you haven't been abiding in the truth. You haven't been staying. You haven't been connecting. There's been troubles. There's been hardship. There's hard times that have come your way, but you have really been struggling. God says, I want you today to abide, to remain, to stay connected in my truth, not just in church, but in the truth of God's word. Father, be with each person as we respond to you today. We ask that you'll move in ways that you will get the glory, Lord. May your truth transform us throughout this week and throughout our entire life. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us in one last song before you leave today? So singing how great is our God.